Hey y'all, welcome back to part three here on the Thursday, May 26, 2022 edition on the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, comes on uh, this uh, portion of the podcast, the full ride with Matt Green here on the Thursday show. Um, the Chase Thomas podcast, uh, where guess what? Yeah, I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, Matt and I talk about all things college football on this very podcast a lot to talk about uh since the last week that we joked about of just the content never ceasing on this front so uh matt and i were able to talk about nick and jimbo we were talking about uh the nil drama alabama landing eli holstein uh devin leary at nc state uh, a lot of good stuff on the cbs game of the week tv schedule and picking those games uh for the 2022 cycle and where that's going to go and which games are going to get the 330 spot uh, as we only have a couple more years of these so that was a lot of fun and then of course the big 10 t- title betting odds uh ohio state heavy favorites going into 2022 but who else makes sense nebraska really high up that's interesting so we talk about all that and more on part three here on the Thursday, May 26th edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. So thank you for checking out and uh, checking out part three and just the podcast in general over on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go check it out on YouTube, youtube.com, type in the Chase Thomas podcast. You'll find us there. Like and subscribe to our videos. That would be great. Uh, you can email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Back here on the full ride with fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green taping this late on a Wednesday Matt Green got a chair where he can just put prop <laughs> up his uh, AJC Georgia Bulldogs or National Champs 2022 edition. Oh, Matt Green, how are you, sir? Yes, sir. I'm doing well, sir. For the uh, for the listeners out there and for those not looking, they can't see quite that mm-hmm. closely in the background. It says champs right there on the headline. Yeah. Uh, AJC, like you said, just got it framed. You know, that's a temporary spot. I'm not just going to leave it in a stool. You know, I'm going to hang it up on a wall somewhere. But uh, just framed it up, and I figured it was a, a great addition to the pod. How is Tori with, like, sports decorations and stuff? Does she, or, like, just in decorations at all, does she give you a lot of leeway in what, uh, how much sports stuff you can throw around the house? She's, um, I got some leeway for sure, because she's not, like, a decorator at heart. So okay. So she's just, like... I'm like, you want to put something here or whatever? And she's like, yeah, I don't really want to put a Georgia G there. And she's like, you have any other ideas? Oh, well, I don't really have any other ideas. So we got a, I got a replica football helmet that's going to mm-hmm. be on display at some point. So we're, we'll, we'll see what we can do with that. I don't know how, I don't know how prominent in the house I can get it displayed, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm Georgia helmet, that. I assume. Oh, for sure. Okay. Is it signed or anything? No, it's not signed. I was you gotta just get like, that thing signed, I just need man. to get a helmet. Like, I just need to, I just need to have that. Throw a visor on there or something, you know? Really swag it out. I mean, if I can get in touch with the right people at the University of Miami, get that Willis McGahee helmet with the visor, that would be, whew. It's hard oh, yeah, to beat. man. Pull Cole some Brennan. strings. McGahee, that was one of my favorites at the, all-time all favorites at the time. 
uh, McGahee or Brennan? McGahee. Yeah. I was all about Willis McGahee. Clinton Portis, just Miami, that era. Edron yeah. James. It was just everyone who came out of there. And then Frank Gore ends up with more rushing yards than everybody. So. Well, Almost more rushing yards than anyone in NFL history. It's insane. But it's just, he just kept playing. It, <laughs> it's one of those things where it, no, he's never once been one of the five best running backs in football. That's literally never been a case for him. Shout out I'd to him. I'd say he had maybe a two or three years where he was top five. He was good. He had a... He had a brief, a very small window where he was like elite. But yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. I would never qualify uh, Frank Gore as an elite running back in the NFL. But he was good. Like, he was just solid. Like, Frank Gore was just solid for in an era where running backs just... Todd Gurley is done and was cooked at 26. Frank Gore yeah. is out here just... He's got... He's still playing ball while his own son is playing college ball. That's how insane that is. His son's out here putting uh just putting on the pads, strapping the pads up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, killing it for Southern Miss, and his dad's still grinding it out in the NFL. Like there was a chance people would get obsessed with the LeBron and Bronny James connection in the NBA at some point. No. We got very, very close to Frank Gore playing football with his son. That was that, that would have been a that would have been incredible. Just yeah. googling Frank Gore real quick. You mm. pay this man some respect, all right? Oh no. Year 2, 1695 yards and eight touchdowns. But go that's, through that year. Now hold on. Elite right there. That was back when other running backs were doing that kind of thing. What it's was 2006? 2006 but rushing 1695, leaders. I guarantee you that's top 2 or 3 in the league. So, LT but he had, LJ, he had two other Steven 12 Jackson. Hold on. He's number nine that year. 1695? There's no way. Uh, oh, that's attempts. Okay. okay. So he, had, was... he was ninth in attempts. Yards, he was third. Oh, he was basically tied with Tiki Barber and Steven Jackson. So there you go. That is one year. But other than that, you got like an 1,100 yard, 10 touchdowns. But LT season, had 1,800 so. that year and 28 touchdowns. Well, he's not LT. I mean, but that's, that's my point. Like, is that's my like short seen... list, like GOAT, though. But what I'm saying is LT didn't last as long, but LT's like peak. What I'm saying is like the peak was just... Tomlinson had a pretty long career, too, though. He, like, he... He probably had like a an eight year peak or something. Like he was elite for a while. He was elite for a while, but then you have LJ who still like he disappeared. Uh, Larry Johnson who was really really good for. He uh, was definitely a, a flash in the pan kind of guy for sure. That's what I'm saying. But at least the flash in the pans were that for a year where you were like, this might be the best running back in football. Never once did we have the conversation. Is Frank Gore the best running back in in the NFL? That never happened. That conversation never happened. I mean, that's kind of like how Emmett Smith was though too. Like he mm. was he was better than Frank Gore. Mm. But, like, Barry Sanders was the best in the league, like, always. Like, yeah. Barry Sanders was always better than him. And then you had, I don't know, Jerome Bettis had his time. Like, I'm trying to remember who all Garrison was Hurst. great in the 90s. You know, Emmitt Smith was better than he – was, he was definitely very good. Mm-hmm. But he just – part of his thing was longevity, too. Like, Jim Brown and, and uh, uh, Barry Sanders play, I don't know, three or four more years. Like, Emmitt Smith's not touching their yards. Like, he yeah. – like Sandra, Barry Sanders came in the league after, left like several years before, and then he finally broke his record. So like I don't know, Emmitt Smith's great, but he's kind of on that longevity, like a Hank Aaron too. Like he's kind of in that in that. Whoa, mind whoa! Frame. Like Hank what? Aaron was just really good every year. Yeah, 
He Don't never throw had 50, Hank Aaron in this mess. He never hit 50 home runs is what I'm saying, though. Like, he never had a 50 home run season. Right. He was just hitting 40 home runs every year till he was, like, 40 years old. Like, True. So it was a longevity thing, too. Like a one-time MVP, I think, mm-hmm. you know? That that sort of thing. No disrespect to Hammer and Hank, like, oh right? My He's goodness. the legend, for sure. But it, it's that's kind of the longevity. Ooh. It goes into a lot of those guys that set the all-time records. They get untouchable when it's, like, a Kareem or a LeBron that sets – that has the longevity and the all-time greatness. Like, I don't know how anyone's going to touch whatever records LeBron ends up putting up. I can't believe we started this by you just throwing Hammer and Hank under the bus here and just <laughs> throwing him in the same conversation with Frank Gore. You're going to have to explain that to the sports gods at one point in your life, Matt in, Green. In different capacities. There's, there's context in there. I'm throwing out the context. Folks, you heard it. Frank Gore is basically Hank Aaron. That's uh, <laughs> what I heard from Matt Green on this podcast. That's just uh, what a night. Um, that's how you know we're recording later. Frank Gore is more, I don't know what, Jim Tomei? Uh, is, that, <laughs> is, that a, is that a better uh, argument? Jim Tomei? Maybe like a Pat Burrell? No. Uh, no, Jim Tomei's a Hall of Famer. Frank, Frank Gore's, Gore's not a Hall of, of Famer. He's like top five in rushing all time. You He's definitely a Hall of Famer. No, you don't get... You don't get you in the got Hall of Fame. It. Nope. You got to. Nope. You got to. Nope. The, the longevity at a certain point that like if you become it's like a second act. Like you start to get respect just because you're still good at that age. Does Milton get respect for coming to work every day when he lost his job and looking for a stapler? Like his job got terminated and he kept <laughs> coming to work. Like are we giving like Hall of Fame plaques to people that just uh. kept who just showed up for a really long time? It's like the part that's like one of those. If we put him in the Hall of Fame, it's kind of like, and look, hey, you're going not- Milton over here. I'm going Keanu Reeves hardball. <laughs> that's like, what is it? Like 90% is just showing up. You just got to show up. Frank but, Gore just kept showing up to like year 20. This is like those kids. I feel like you were this kid. This would explain a lot. Did you go, did you have the perfect attendance every year growing up? No, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a perfect attendance. Even guy. in elementary and middle school? I mean, I don't think no, I don't think so. I remember my parents took me out of school one time to go to a Braves game. So okay, like, I remember we saw the Killer Bees. I was a huge <laughs> Bee- I was a huge Biggio fan back in the day. Okay, but, yeah. So I mean, miss miss a day of school. Like what's 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 one day of school here and there. That's true. Well, the reason I was throwing that out there is because it's like those people who my mom would always get onto this where it's like, oh, great. This award is like, thank you for making my kids sick award because no one's no kid just goes 300 or just goes however many school days uh, without being sick. And if (laughs) you have perfect attendance, that means you sent your kid to school sick at least one occasion and got everybody else sick. Um, but that's kind of it. It's like, yeah, Possibly. great. You were he- you were here every day. Great. It's you like bragging up. about not using your sick days. It's yeah. Like, cool, man. You should probably use those. <laughs> Frank Gore, you maybe should have tried harder in year four to really get to that two thousand yard mark. And hey, then, you don't sure. you don't question Frank Gore's work ethic. All right, sir. Playing in the NFL till thirty seven. This guy as a running back for sure. A thousand yards. His last thousand yard season was what. Age 33. But look at his yards per carry that year. It was something. It was what? Three yards a carry? Let me see that year. Yeah, 3.9. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he was fine. Frank Gore was a fine running back for a really long time. And no shots fired at Frank Gore. I don't know the man. 16,000 yards, man. 16,000 yards. A lot of yards. He was never an elite running back in this league. He just, he never was. No, that's that's true. It's a Hall of Fame. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Oh my goodness, I can't do this. Um, 
We're not going to talk Frank Gore. So hold on, hold on. Before yes. we get leave it. So like, is Todd Gurley have a better case for the Hall of Fame than Frank Gore? I think he needed a couple more years. He's like so extreme on the short career spectrum yeah. that he's not. Because if but if he got like two to three more years, I think he's in. Because if you look at year, like Terrell Davis, yeah, he was like first ballot or something. He might not mm-hmm. be in first ballot. But he, everyone's like no doubt or Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. It's like Terrell Davis had like four good years, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was, but he won two Super Bowls, so like there's no question the MVP and everything. Like Gurley was like maybe runner up for MVP that that mm-hmm. one year monster year he had, and then his one of his best years was when they just like whatever happened to him in the postseason. I guess his knees started breaking down then. Yes. Like he just started never got the ball that postseason mm-hmm. when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But um but he actually was that level of like best running back in the league for maybe three, four years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Frank Gore, it's like he's just been a really good running back for a twelve, thirteen years, just on a yeah. roster for seventeen years. Like But Gurley was like the best player in just a different kind like Derrick Henry now is the equivalent now where it's just like this is preposterous, but it's not going to keep going. Like Derrick Henry's not going to be doing this at 31 years old. Like this kind of, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Henry is built like Never a tank know. and he's fun to watch. Um, but we'll see. We'll see Matt Green. I knew you were going to find a way to bring Georgia into that conversation. Uh, no, Gurley was just the one we referenced earlier. So it's yeah. like kind of a, a, a benchmark because complete opposite careers. Yeah. Well, Let's talk some Jimbo and Saban. Remember how I joked last week that I hesitate yes. doing these pods because I just feel like college football every day, it whatever we talk about that night is like going to be thrown out the window because they're going to do something crazy. And then Nick Saban, uh, his statements at the Birmingham thing come out, and then Jimbo uh, schedules the press conference for Thursday morning. It's been a week now, Matt Green, since the kerfuffle, the public kerfuffle between Jimbo and Nick where are you at with Jimbo and Nick at this point? Oh man, I um I feel like they just both sound like just whiny babies, honestly. First of all, save I I I understand Jimbo getting like, you know, keep keep me out of your mouth kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like so I understand Jimbo getting like pissed after Saban said what he said, but the initial signing day press conference where Jimbo gets defensive and it's like NIL had nothing to do with it. That's what I'll never understand. It's right. like it obviously had something to do with it. It's, it's, it's part of the formula. Just yes. like your your academics or your coaching staff or your facilities, NIL, it's it's part of the the piece of the pie that it's yeah. part of what they're the reason every guy is looking at every school. So you can just you don't have you can whatever you say it's taking credit away from how hard your staff worked or whatever. But it obviously had something to do with it, a greater than zero percentage. And you're not breaking the rules. So I don't know why you got defensive to begin with. And then Saban just kind of sounds, I mean, on one hand, he sounds whiny. But on the other hand, I feel like everything Saban does is is for a reason. So he, I feel like he's really, especially in that setting, like he's saying, like, this is what A&M did to sign the number one class. You guys do want to sign the number one class, right? Like, yeah, yeah okay, that is what it's going to take. You guys have to start throwing a bunch of money around, like A and M is throwing around. Mm. Um, we do, you do want to express yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I think uh, that's probably where Saban was really coming from. And then I don't know to, to call the emergency press conference afterwards. It just 
He woke up mad. That's what's yeah. wild. Is he had a chance to sleep on it? Because you know he was fuming that whole night. But that man woke up angrier than he was the night before. Do you know how hard that is? Like you get a good night's sleep and you're like, I'll sleep it off. I'll sleep the anger off. I'll uh, I'll just calm down in the morning and I'll be fine. He's like, nope. Uh, press conference. First thing we're doing this. And I'm going to use the word despicable 18 times. I um, name calling. Yes. That's, and I think I just wild. I think say I don't you know what's funny is I was talking to Connor Gara of Saturday Down South about this and what I where I'm at with it a week from now is like a lot of people are like oh can it be October 8th now can it be can it be October 8th I'm ready for Texas A&M Bama and I'm like I just I think what a lot of people forget is these dudes are friends like Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen are neighbors and that, like, all these guys live on Lake Oconee, and all of these SEC coaches spend a lot of time on the golf course together, and, like, a lot of the premier Power 5 coaches know each other and are cool with each other, that this, to me, feels like something that, I mean, we'll learn a lot next week when they're in the same spot in Destin for the SEC meetings, and we'll see what happens there, but that's a lot of time between now and October, where I don't see this being, I don't see this animosity festering long term i think he was mad he's not taking his calls whatever but like cooler heads will prevail at some point between these two where he it's called like, me i didn't answer yeah like why we <laughs> it's just i don't think you know who we need it's just lane kiffin just send him in like send him in as the mediator where it's like guys guys it's not that serious like y'all are both killing it like y'all are both like you're, you're arguing over the number like why you have the two best classes this past year like do you see how silly this is that we're all arguing about this publicly? And I think what's interesting too, is that I think Saban, if he could do it all over again, would take back calling out Texas A&M specifically, because I think he really didn't mean to, if you watch the video and the watch, the way he's talking to the crowd and what he's saying, he is clearly talking to those leaders like you alluded to of like, Hey, business leaders of Birmingham, the game has changed again and we've been doing this thing with our collective or we're like just we're having this universal nil type thing and they're all making this when they come in whatever AM didn't do that and AM doesn't look like they're going to do that and follow that model they're not going to wait until they're on campus and then get the million dollar uh college station lamborghini <laughs> nil deal for max johnson that's not how it's going to go they're going to get them all in beforehand and he's just telling them this is where we're going it's like when Saban's talking about offensive changes and stuff like that where he's talking to the business leaders and was using a&m as a way to rev up those business leaders to be like hey you've got to open up the pocketbooks a little bit more going forward because i need your help like i we we're now competing with texas oil money like really like we're competing in a different way on this front and if you want me to get the number one classes again think guess what like the game's changed like i that's just the reality and i don't it was almost like he was i don't think he was like disgusted by it i i think he was really not trying to throw shade at jimbo for it i really don't i think he was just saying that's what they did and jimbo getting so defensive about him saying that they bought his entire class that i understand because he shouldn't have used that word he should have said they used nil in a very strong, like he could have phrased it differently to not make it seem like he was taking a shot. He, he misspoke there, I think, but what he like Jimbo could have taken that as like you said, where, Hey, 
we have this great NIL collective. We have this great situation in College Station. If you're a recruit, you're a five star. Come on down. You like this is the, this is a great opportunity for you to come to school, make some good money, and play for a premier program in the best conference in America. Like those are all things you should be embracing in the new era of college football. And instead, I think, and this is something that Connor mentioned, I thought this was fascinating, is that Jimbo's mind and a lot of these coaches' minds still aren't there, so they're thinking bought as a negative because it was a negative that insinuated cheating before this now nil it's not cheating like that's just that what he's saying is this is saban saying it's not cheating anymore this is what you did that's fine we're not complaining but that's not cheating anymore and jimbo is like i i don't cheat go look under nick saban's hood do you think he's blah 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 blah. and it's like all right like just take it to a whole nother level right yeah i think um I think you definitely made some good points. I think uh, at the end of the day, it it's not against the rules anymore. So yeah. I like if he throws you, if he mentions Jimbo Fisher by name, like a reporter is going to reach out to Jimbo Fisher at some point mm. very soon. Like, hey, Nick Saban just said this. Do you have anything to say about it? And then you can comment. But mm. to call a whole press conference, it's it's like the whole doth protest too much, right? It's just like, why are you getting so defensive if you didn't do anything wrong? Like, you got another coach. You got the greatest coach of all time running the best program in college football talking about you. You're probably mm. doing something right. And just yeah. keep keep on doing what you're doing. So it's it feels really insecure for him to, like, to feel the need to call an emergency press conference, like, Legit, like, what time did he hear about that? Like, we got <laughs> off here at, like, 1030, I think. Yes. It's like, it happened at, like, midnight. So, it's like, was he was he already asleep, woke up at, at 6 a.m. and heard about it? No, they it woke him up that night. There's no way. People so woke him up that yeah, night. Yeah, so it's like, just, it's it's insane to me. Like, if you didn't do anything wrong, like, what are you calling the press conference for? Well, it's also, like... <sighs> And I think people miss this with NIL, and this is something that I think people need to understand is like Georgia's gonna use it, AM, Tennessee, all these different programs, premier programs, and they're they're gonna throw shots of like, oh, they only got this player because they had NIL. That's not reality. So reality is like USC, if they still have Clay Helton and they're throwing the same kind of money at Caleb Williams or same kind of NIL deal, they're not coming. Like those guys are not coming. It's part of the like whole package where hey, I'm going to be utilized because every Lincoln Riley quarterback goes in the first round of the NFL draft. Like, I know with this offense and what I can do in this situation, it's great weather and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. But the coaching staff matters. The recruiting department matters. And I think that was what Jimbo was also kind of upset about is that Saban kind of downplayed that part of it, where it's like Walter Nolan did not pick a&M just because of that. Like, none of those premier defensive players picked A&M solely for an maybe but like you had look at their defensive line this past year and look at what mike elko built in aggie land and look at what miles garrett good defense yeah miles garrett went number one you've had you you've had the body of work where it's like you could set like every coaching staff shows these recruits how they're going to be used and how they're going to get them to get paid at the next level and how they're going to turn them into an nfl superstar like that is part of it they're showing the scheme and like they're showing like there's a lot more that goes into recruiting than just hey we don't have a recruiting department we're just going to hire this collective to take care of all the conversation with these kids it's just not reality like the vast majority of the work is the relationships between the coaching staff and the recruiting department and those kids so I understand that part getting defensive too, but I just would not have called a press conference about any of this. I just wouldn't have gone that nuclear in response. 
Yeah, without a doubt, I'm I'm right there with you. He, but he he uh, if we're getting you know professional wrestling on this, he, he yeah. promoted the hell out of this uh, 2022 matchup. Though definitely gonna get a prime time slot now. For sure. Um, we'll end on this with this. Uh, so ESPN's Pete Thamel, really good ESPN uh, college football reporter. He had this when he wrote a really good editorial after it all happened. Uh, he said, quote, These entire shenanigans emphasize how impotent the NCAA is and has been. Uh, one veteran assistant coach told ESPN on Thursday afternoon, quote, It's like two cartels pointing their fingers at each other. That is the best summation of what happened there I'd, I'd seen to this point. Where it's just, I mean, that's really what they are at this point. Like, if you're a premier college football program, it's kind of like this whole conglomerate, the too big to fail. Like, there's just a lot of moving parts. No one really knows what's legal, what's not, what's working. It's just like, it's just powerful, and you better get out of the way. College football is a drug for many, so I can see the, I can see the parallels. Um, speaking of Alabama, so this is another just college football doesn't sleep eli holstein uh he commits to alabama four-star quarterback one of the top quarterbacks in the 2023 class was originally committed to texas a&m and he flips to alabama this week of all weeks what do you think matt i'm reading between the lines on this one sir the arch the arch manning sweepstakes does this i mean this is a top is he top 50, top 100 prospect yeah. right here? He's like the eighth-ranked quarterback in the country, I think. Mm. That's a pretty big-time guy for Alabama to go after. For Alabama, Texas, and Georgia being the, the quote-unquote finalists for Arch Manning, you'd have to think this makes it more of a Georgia-Texas battle at this point. I felt like it's Georgia and Texas for a while. I mean, I could be wrong. I think it's still Texas in the lead, but... If Texas has a down year, I think that changes a lot. Like Texas, I don't. I wonder though too. It's but like if Quinn Ewers has a big year, it's like he's a redshirt sophomore mm-hmm. next year when Arch Manning's a true freshman. Is that is that the situation when I come in, or you want to come in somewhere like Georgia, where there's most likely if, if Stetson is the starter all year, there's no incumbent there, and you're you're coming in and competing. Wait, hold on. Yeah, there is. There's two. There's a five. I mean, well, not an incumbent, but there's a but, lot of premium. But nobody talent. that has a starter starting experience, though. That's True. like just the the out, outright starter, like a Jake Fromm, Justin Fields situation. Like, True. just with how well Fromm played, regardless of who was behind him, he probably wasn't going to get benched. You know, mm. so it's. It, you kind of just how it works out sometimes. If Quinn Ewers, like I me, mean, if they win the Big 12, if they're like a really good team, he's obviously the guy in 2023. But then he's got one year more year and he's in the NFL. So who knows? At, at this point with the portal, what it is, you might as well go where you want to go to begin with, regardless of the depth chart and just see True. what happens. And then, you know, you always got a plan B you can go to without sitting out. That's true. Um, Another thing that happened that I forgot to add to our show sheet because it's been a week and college football is crazy is Jordan Addison uh, is now a USC Trojan too. Man, um, it was rumored for a while and people were like, oh, he might end up at Bama. He might end up at Texas and not just go to the place where he may or may not have been tampered with uh, beforehand. But no, that's, uh, that's where Jordan Addison will be playing football this fall where USC's roster is just... <laughs> you got Travis Dye... Oregon running back. You have Caleb Williams, uh, Oklahoma uh, quarterback. You have Jordan Addison, 
Pittsburgh receiver, Mario Williams, Pitts, uh, Oklahoma receiver. It's like this whole roster is completely different. We have no context for anything USC for 2022. None. No, we really don't. It's it's insane. I I wish this is why I wish we could get these game these games scheduled like a few months out. Like. Mm-hmm. Give me a USC pit at this point. I feel like there's some. We got Slovis in Pittsburgh. We got Addison in USC. Like we got some storylines there. That would be cool. Um. Well, another cool thing. De- uh, Devin Leary. So we've joked in this pod that like for whatever reason, NC State is just QBU that QBU. no one talks about. And there was a really good piece by Nicole Nicole Auerbach of uh, the Athletic. Really great college football reporter. But she had a really good piece about Devin Leary and why he is the best quarterback. No one's talking about yet. Hey, we're talking about on this podcast. We know. We know what they've got cooking in Raleigh. We know that's what they do. You know how Maryland, they just crab cakes in football? Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina, it's quarterbacks in football. That's what Raleigh does. Just quarterbacks all the time. NFL, got you. We got the next one. He's coming in. Not going to, like. We don't and have them. cigarettes, right? Big cigarette. Are people they? People down in Raleigh, right? North Carolina and that tobacco road, that's what, that's what they do down well, I don't there, know if right? that makes them cigarettes. That just means... That's, that's, where they, that's, where they, that's where they do all the tobacco stuff. It was but a, I think it's going out. I think I it's went, being shipped out. I went out. for it. You know, it didn't land. So <laughs> we, we, we keep it moving. Uh, what did you make of this? And what do you make of Devin Leary and uh, the, the pack going into next year? Yeah, I thought it was a cool story. Uh like you said, we've been on the Devin Leary bandwagon for a couple years now. But um, one thing I took out of this was the the trivia. I have a trivia question for you I got mm-hmm. from this. I don't know if you, you remember this part of the article. Um, he, he was a part of the 35-5 and five club. 35-plus touchdowns, five or less interceptions. Um, fourth, fifth guy since 2010 to do that in college football. Can you name the other four guys that have done that? 35-plus touchdowns and five or less interceptions since Mac 2010. Mac Jones? Mac Jones is one of them. That's correct. Jake Fromm? Jake Fromm is, did not do that, no. Hmm. Desmond Ritter? No. Since 2010? Hmm. Zach Tyler Wilson? Mark- Incorrect. How many more guesses should I give you? Uh, give me. Hold on. Give me a couple more. I'll give you two more. Um, I'm thinking. One was in 2019, and then two of these were in 2014. Trevor Lawrence. No, close. Deshaun Watson. Further away. (laughs) 2019. Oh. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna tell you this one. It's going to be Justin Fields. Oh, I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed he threw more picks than that. And then back in, I think he was like 38-2 to two or something. Was he uh, really? His first year as a starter. Yeah, something ridiculous. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Marcus Mariota. I was going to say an Oregon quarterback. I knew an Oregon quarterback felt right. I and, then, uh, and then Cody Kessler. Oh. Who? Cody Kessler. I'll be honest, I'm kind of blanking on right now. It sounds familiar. Where did Cody Kessler play? Where is Cody Kessler? He played in the NFL. In the Browns. I was going to say, the Browns. USC. He was undersized, wasn't he? Was he a short guy? That's back in 2014. 
Uh, I guess we just weren't remembering USC football at that time. But 39 touchdowns and five picks for Cody Kessler that year. Third rounder. Okay. For the Browns. Um, but, yeah. So those are the four huh. other guys that, that did it. Do you know what's uh, funny? I'm looking at Cody Kessler's uh, signing day from high school. He has three hats on display here. Two of them, Pitt and USC. What is this Pitt and USC <laughs> thing? What What is this? Max uh, Brown? Runs the old, deep. Do you remember Max Brown, the quarterback at USC? He yeah. transferred to Pitt. That was something that is happened. Is that right? Yes. What is this? Why are they going across the country to these two schools? What is the back and forth? What is between... the Pitt USC connection? I don't know. We need to make what? this a rivalry. This needs to be a yearly thing. We need to turn this into a cross country rivalry. That's wild. I would never have guessed that. Cody Kessler. Call it the uh, the Lynn Swan rivalry. Oh, there's a little Pitt USC connection on oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. But um, same yeah. field though. Same field. But, yeah, I think Devin Leary, I think NC State, I think is sneaky, like, could be the best team in the ACC this year, for sure. Like, It's either I, them I or just, Miami as, like, the dark, like, they should be going in as, like, they, this should be their division, and then Clemson if they get the offense right, but we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, I just, I don't know what to make of Uyunglele this year. Mm. Like, I, there's nothing to really tell you that he's going to be better, like, you know, a new offensive coordinator, you know, maybe they'll be used differently. Like, you know, who knows with that. But I think NC State is going to be the best team coming out of the Atlantic, as you know. Right. And then most likely Miami, maybe Pitt coming out of the coming out of the coastal. Speaking of divisions, I uh, those are gone. And I think the divisions in the ACC are gone this year, right? Or is it – who's getting rid of no, it? Pac-12 is doing it this yeah. year. Um, ACC is probably next year, but – um edgar thompson of the orlando sentinel who covers the gators he was on and uh he was he talked with uh scott strickland ad over there at florida and i think he said that uh strickland told like in their conversations that divisions are out for the sec i think it has to be with a 16 team conference i just don't think there's any way you can reasonably do divisions i think uh i saw someone post this week kind of uh, a, a schedule, yeah. How it would be set up? I think I sent that to you. Um, well, he mentioned the three. The... It's like the three consistent rivalries are the one. Is basically what the choices are. It seems like is either the three consistent teams or one. You get one consistent. What do you mean one consistent? And like you... one team you play every year, and then the rest are different in round robin, and then you play eight different basically. Mm, okay, see that that's okay. So that would be the only reason because you play fifteen other teams, yes. so seven and seven and one. Okay, mm-hmm. see that would be those are the two options I heard. I table. guess that would make sense. That's what you're trying to do if you're trying to not go to a nine-game conference schedule mm-hmm. because the SEC has pushed back on the nine-game conference right. schedule a bunch of times. So, so if they don't go to nine-game, it's going to be that one. But if they do go to nine-game, it will be the three-one, it sounds I like. I think that's probably the most fair, but it's like everyone's schedule is a gauntlet. Like mm-hmm. that nine-game schedule. Like you just – there's once you get Texas and Oklahoma, like assuming you know Texas and Oklahoma are what we think – the kind of programs are going to be joining the SEC, like yeah, there's there's no there's no off <laughs> there's no off uh, week hardly in the SEC. Yeah, we'll see uh, what ultimately happens there, but I do think uh, the college football playoff only consisting of the SEC is not going to happen. That uh, from 
conversations is not gonna that threat is just leverage and not gonna be a thing because that would be horrific if we we went down that road can you imagine ohio the only state... way that's cool is if you just like we get ohio state to join the sec right and then, and then it's like i guess this is everyone we need down here i don't know that's true um well uh you have your cbs tv schedule ready to go are you gonna be sad like how many more of these do we have before they this saturday schedule on on cbs is is gone 2024 is that the new year or is it the new um once everything goes to espn or is that's what i was wondering yeah i can't i can't remember this not not many left Mm -hmm. um and people keep talking about the jingle it's like they're not going to take the jingle. No, the, the jingle CBS staying. owns that. Like, they're not – whatever whatever conference, whatever – maybe there would be an all-Mountain West conference network at that point. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they'll keep that jingle for sure. Um, God, what are they going to do? It's going to be so weird. Like, we just grew up and associated CBS and, I mean, Vern and Gary and then Nestler and Gary, but – it's just that song. I I've run to that song on several occasions. <laughs> da 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 da. Like it's just you're not gonna top it. It's it's probably the best college football theme song, right? Is there a better one? Like is I there mean, a- it's not. It's iconic for sure. But it's like if your game, if your team's playing a big time game on ESPN prime time, it's like that that's not prime time though. It's three thirty. Now that's true, but like either way, like they you're. You guys are going to get amped for your team playing a big time game on a big time network. You know, it's yeah. it's definitely uh it's definitely a part of our childhood. You know, it's kind of like that um that NBA on NBC yeah music back in the day. Is that what it was? It was on yeah. the that Showtime NBA Showtime yeah. the video game. Yeah, that's where I remember it from the most. Dun 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 it. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Have you watched that band commercial, uh, the NBC, uh, NBA and NBC band commercial? I don't think it's real, but there's one with the theme song. I'll have to send it to you later. Um, but that was something I grew up. That was that was an NBC theme song thing. Um, so CBS TV schedule. What have you got for me, Matt Green? Yes, sir. So. Um... Kind of interesting how they uh, like this. What they'll do every year, like there's like three or four games um, before the year starts that they're like, okay, we know what time these are gonna be, gonna be. Like the Notre Dame Georgia game a few years ago, like they knew that was gonna be a prime time game for like ten years in a row. Alabama LSU that was automatically a prime time game. Not anymore. And yeah. Auburn Alabama too. That was just like an automatic. That's like going to be a CBS game for sure. It's not one of them this year. So the automatic ones: Georgia Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Week Nine; Penn State at Auburn, Week Three. Which I've seen people on Twitter complaining, like Texas fans complaining about a two thirty local kickoff for Penn State Auburn. It's like it's three thirty CBS. <laughs> so this isn't new. What are you talking about? This is. Like yeah, it'd be cool to be a night game, but no, it's, it's a three thirty CBS. The three thirty slot is better than the night slot. Am I crazy for that? I I agree with you. I'm I'm later in the year. It is better than early in the year because like it's not even a night game when it ends. Like a three thirty game at the start of September. Like I mm-hmm. feel like that's still going to be a day game at True. seven eight o'clock or so seven thirty or so. so like Georgia but... Tennessee when it got dark at like by the fourth quarter. Exactly. Georgia yeah. Florida like early third quarter. It's like mm-hmm. always a night game. Um 
So, and then Arkansas, uh, Missouri. That's the other game. It's for that Friday night um, hmm. after Thanksgiving. So those are the only ones they've already established before the year. So I thought we'd dig in and see what are going to be the CBS games uh, so far this year. So mm. in week four, you got an open week. Uh, Arkansas and A&M is that week. And you got Florida, Tennessee. I think it's early in that year. See, I think early in the year, though, week four, before they've probably both played anybody, Arkansas, A&M, that could be number seven versus number 12. Like, that that's going to be a really big-time game. Arkansas has an and early Jerry, and- Hold on, who does Arkansas play early? They have someone good early, I feel like, right? Okay, they have Cincinnati to open. That's what I thought. They have Cincinnati to open, but I guess... So that's that could be a tough one, but Arkansas could definitely win that game. South at home, Carolina, right? too, though. So, back yeah, so so Arkansas could be... They should be a top 15 team at that point. Florida, Tennessee is big, but I kind of think they'll go uh, Arkansas A&M on that. Well, I think it will depend World on Florida... Too. And how they do against Utah and that's true. Uh, have Utah and Kentucky before that. So if they're so undefeated, I think they're in. I think Florida, can, Tennessee, if they're both undefeated, I think they go that way. I could. I see think that. that draws a bigger audience. I could see that um, at, at Tennessee too. Um, then week five, we got Bama at Arkansas. So Arkansas really kind of depends on what kind of start they're off to. Yeah. Um, if they beat A and M, that sort of thing, Arkansas could be like four and zero going to that game. Got Kentucky at Ole Miss could be a, a sneaky one, um, and then LSU at Auburn. It's like hard to know. LSU and Auburn is a classic, but it you feels like no a three thirty. But it, no two rebuilding teams this teams. year. I don't know, man. So Bam at Arkansas. If Arkansas is even like three and one coming in, it's that like, would I would say is the favorite for that. That's one. the sexy one, the big yeah. time number one team going into the hostile ranked team environment. So that's probably, but. Kentucky Ole Miss, sneaky. Like, I don't know what to yeah. expect out of uh, either of those teams. Like, but that, if Kentucky it, beats Florida and they're undefeated, then okay, maybe. Yeah, they could be a top 12 team or mm-hmm. top 15 team at that point. Um, then go to week six. This is the first doubleheader. So what I realized, which I don't even know if I just realized this, and it's like this every single year, but um, the two weeks that they have doubleheaders are the only two weeks that all 14 teams are playing each other. Oh, I didn't know that. So I don't know if it's like that every year, but that's how hmm. it is this year. So the two, one, uh, the first week where everybody is in a, in SEC play, hmm. we got the three thirty and eight o'clock. Alabama at or A&M at Alabama. That's the eight o'clock game. If it hmm. wasn't already, this Jimbo Saban subplot is definitely <laughs> going to have that be the the eight o'clock game. But then you got to keep in mind how they choose these games because yeah. I think CBS is, has the first choice of that eight o'clock game. Hmm. But ESPN would get, like, the second pick, and then that 3.30 CBS would be kind of like the third pick. So you have, that week, you have Tennessee at LSU, which is, like, a sexy matchup that you don't get to see very often. But you also have Auburn Georgia. So Tennessee at LSU might be a better game. So yeah. it might get, like, the 7 o'clock ESPN slot or something like mm-hmm. that, where Auburn Georgia, you get... You get that that B team broadcast with, with Aaron Murray and, yes. and who else is on there. So I could see that for Auburn, Georgia. I would agree with that. And that's then, not going to be a game. Like yeah. that's just that's not. Isn't it sad that, how the might have fallen? Hey, it's Auburn, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put anything past them. They could uh, catch lightning in a bottle. Who knows? Um, week seven, we got Alabama at Tennessee, mm. and I think. 
I mean, that's a lock be, if both are undefeated. I think it'll be great for college football and great for the SEC if this game is as big as I've talked about it being, and both mm-hmm. these teams are undefeated, and this is college game day. This is definitely your 3.30 CBS spot. Um, but you also have LSU at Florida that week, and then uh, Auburn at Ole Miss. So I would think with those with those choices right there, I think it's got to be Bam at Tennessee. Yeah, even if Tennessee has a loss there, I think that's still the better better choice. I think so. I think just when a team, when the a big time like top five, top ten team is going on the road to play a good ranked team, yeah, I just think that's a good environment for like a good a great game. You know, well, last year was at night on ESPN, and the year before that was on CBS at three thirty when it was last in Knoxville. So. Okay. I wonder if that's like a thing. I don't know why they did it like that. Now I want to go back and forth. I'm like, is it always on ESPN when they're in Tuscaloosa and then on CBS when it's in Knoxville? I don't know. That, uh, see, I don't know. And then, see, the other thing I was thinking, going back to Auburn at Georgia, Georgia's mm-hmm. also the reigning national champion. Yeah. And they hadn't had a game on CBS probably to that point, so they might just want to get well, a game at you Georgia. did that to yourself. You did that to yourself. Look at your schedule. Who wants to watch any of these games on CBS Primetime? <laughs> We're just talking Primetime. like the first like five weeks. Well, and Oregon is Oregon is one of the big games. Yeah, course. but that's not, not that's not a three thirty CBS game though. You no, don't play it's... Oregon on CBS. No, of course. Well, they could. I mean, no, when that's the game... SEC. We're talking SEC three thirty. No, no, of course. But when the SEC team is the home team and one of these non conference matchups, they can. Yeah, the CBS game sometimes. Like I know, like Florida State at Florida has been a CBS yeah. game, and Georgia it doesn't Tech feel right to me. It doesn't feel but, right. Um, but no, that's going to be a Oregon. That's going to be three thirty ABC before. Is that three thirty? Not at night. Yeah, it's three thirty, and then we got uh, Ohio State. right? Ohio State Notre Dame as the yeah. nightcap. So that's going to be an excellent day of college football. September third. Can't get here soon enough. And you know what's great. Is Tennessee doing these opening uh, on Thursday nights? It frees me up for the day. So I don't have to like be at the stadium and watching Tennessee beat up on Ball State for three and a half mm, hours. I that's can... a Thursday night? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Thursday night. College football <laughs> should be played on Thursday nights. <laughs> I told you, like, I boycott football. Like, I, I inadvertently boycott football on Thursday night. Like, you'll tune I don't, in. I don't even. I, Tennessee, I probably will. College football is different. I, I was. I was conditioned to watch a low-key, interesting college football game on Thursday night. Like, yeah. that's, that's all it would be. It's just like I a shouldn't have done this. I put you down another Thursday night rabbit hole. You're like on Minnesota, Ohio again. State Thursday, I loved it. But, yeah. but Bengals, Bengals, Steelers on Thursday night, like I don't even consider watching. Why are you complaining like, about more football? I'm okay with it. I just, I'm just out. telling you, I, it's not an active boycott. It's an mm. inadvertent boycott. I'm just like, it, it doesn't register for me to watch NFL on Thursday. It's just not, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I don't know what yeah. to say. Well, you're thinking about tequila football on Friday night. You're, you're <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. I'm probably at the JV game that Thursday. <laughs> um, I don't, I think the cops are getting called. Like, if you attend a JV game without a kid there, I just, Yeah, hey, I'm know, just man. a member of the community, <laughs> Um, <laughs> keeping it moving. Week eight is the the total crapshoot um, week. So we got Ole Miss at LSU that week. Mm. Mississippi State at Alabama, and then the one that, uh, depending on how this team could start, if they just catch lightning in a bottle, A and M at South Carolina. I would say that's the favorite. See, I just feel like South Carolina could have three losses by the time. 
True. A&M rolls around. Like, if you look at, let me pull up South Carolina's schedule real quick, If unless you have it off But, I mean, how many, I mean, South Carolina's know, schedule is worse at the end of the season, if I remember correctly. See, I know, I mean, Georgia is like week two or three. So, Arkansas, at Arkansas, is week two. Yeah. Georgia, week three. But then they get and Charlotte, then Kentucky, South Carolina State. Kentucky week six, though. Like, those are... They could be three and two. I would say two, two toss. Like, they could, they could beat Arkansas and they could beat Kentucky. So, I think that's... Like, they have to be like a... What is that? Is that six games? They got to be four yeah. and two. I think if they're four and two, lose to Georgia, lose to Arkansas, and then... You know, if they beat Kentucky the week before or something like that, like A&M, South Carolina could be an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like kind of the novelty aspect of it of like looking for an excuse to go to somewhere like South Carolina because that's a that don't have a lot of games at South Carolina usually because they haven't been a good team in recent years, you know. Mm -hmm. So if they're having a good year, I feel like that seems like a like a candidate. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. But uh, I LSU, also LSU is the ultimate like X factor. Like I have no idea what to expect with LSU. I just feel like they want to throw LSU on there anyway. And Kiffin probably good. I mean, that'll be a fun game. Like LSU Ole Miss will probably be the most exciting of those three options. Yeah, exactly. And it's like LSU. LSU could easily get off to you know a a big time start, and that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise anybody if if Brian Kelly just came in and just had this LSU team. Like, we just know how much we know how much talent LSU has year in and year out. I think so. they were on CBS at 3.30 last year in Jackson. Or Oxford, excuse me. I think this was the CBS game last year. Okay. So, it's possible. Um, I hate... You, like, I couldn't tell you all kinds of important things, but I could tell you what games in 2021 were on CBS and which ones weren't. That's Hey, you remember the important stuff. I know. Um, and then Week 9, that's... Uh, that's well, interesting enough, this is Georgia-Florida week nine. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is always a really weak SEC slate, the, the week of Georgia-Florida. It seems like there's a lot of bye weeks and, like, maybe a cupcake thrown in there, like, late October. Like, this week, this year, there's a lot of good games on uh, on the same week as Georgia-Florida. So you have Arkansas-Auburn that week, Kentucky-Tennessee, and Ole Miss, Texas A and M. So you just have a lot of games that could be that could just be a really a full slate of like a good noon kickoff, a good three thirty, and a good night game. Um, so that that's going to be a good week. And then going to week ten, Georgia getting Florida and Tennessee back to back like that's that's something we've never seen. So yeah. that's a I think Georgia Tennessee is probably the most interesting game on this slate. But Alabama LSU is also on this week. So Hmm. it's tough to say Alabama LSU just feels like the bigger game. But I think in 2022, like week 10, like we could be looking at, you know, potentially a a seven and one, a six and two Tennessee team at this point, maybe Hmm. an undefeated Georgia team at this point. So I think that could easily, if if Tennessee, I would say, is that, am I right? Is that the ninth game of the season? Is it? Would it be uh would it be six and two? Let me one, two Tennessee? Three, four, five, six. Yeah, so Georgia is the ninth game of the season for Tennessee. So yeah, okay. if they're looking at six and two, who are those losses to? Maybe maybe at LSU and maybe Alabama. Yeah. Maybe you lost or to Fl- Kentucky or maybe you lost to Florida. Like those are not gonna be 
there's going to be two respectable losses. If like they're going to be ranked no lower than like fifteenth if they're yeah. if they're six and two at that point. And so, well, I think Pitt's Jordan's... the other wild card, man. Pitt, I just want to beat Pitt on the road before we even get to the other stuff. Like that's not going to be a cakewalk at all. That's yeah, that's a good point. And then and then you also have a uh, Florida Texas A and M that week. Like I. Mm. I, I don't really know what to expect out of Florida, but um, that's another game that's going to be interesting. Auburn, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's just that ultimate. But we know Georgia, Tennessee is going to be the CBS game that week. Over Alabama, LSU. I think so. LSU's not going to be good enough. I, I don't. Yeah, that's probably. It'll be a more intriguing game probably mm-hmm. at the end of the. You day. put Alabama, LSU on at night. But it is at LSU though, so I mean that. Death always, Valley's better at night. That's fair. That would probably make it for, but yeah, that would probably make it better for the for the viewing experience for the like. Fan it just home. looks cooler. Death Valley looks cooler at night. This and this would be the. I wish they would do the the, the double header this week. Get Georgia yeah. Tennessee at three thirty, Alabama LSU at, at eight. But um, I just hope I'm not freezing my tail off this time. I was dying of frostbite when we were at uh, Tennessee uh, Georgia this past year. It got so cold. And everyone was putting on their black jackets, so some people thought that the stadium flooded. I think Georgia with... fans took over the stadium. That's... If I heard, <laughs> I heard about it. Yeah, Georgia fans they took over uh, took over Neyland. Tennessee in the fans quarter. literally switched to being Georgia fans mid game. That's that is it, what happened. That's how bad it got. Um, but week eleven, this is the other doubleheader. We got a noon CBS and a three thirty. Um, so looking at this slate, I feel like. Bama at Ole Miss is maybe the most interesting game, but you also have Georgia at Mississippi State, which we mm. kind of talked about, like the high-ranked team going into a hostile environment might be interesting. How many games is Mississippi State really going to have on CBS? So I could see that maybe being like the noon kickoff, or honestly, with how these work though, at the same time, you also have LSU-Arkansas that week, South Carolina-Florida, A&M-Auburn. Like, it's kind of a... Like I said, this is one of the few Missouri plays Tennessee plays Missouri this week, so it's it's one of the few weeks where, like I said, that we have a full slate. So I could see Alabama at Ole Miss being the three thirty game, mm-hmm. and then like the second choice being ESPN taking Georgia Mississippi State being like a seven o'clock ESPN game or something, and then that noon game being I don't know South Carolina Florida or like is that Mississippi A&M, State game Auburn. for Georgia? At, in Starkville or no? Yeah, it's in Starkville. Okay. So I feel like that makes it interesting going into the, the cowbells at night. Like Will Rogers did carve you guys up two years ago. That's true. He threw for a lot of yards, mm-hmm. That's um, which is cool. Yards are cool. If you're Dan Mullen, yards are the name of the game. But you got to score points, too. Um, Mississippi LSU, State's Arkansas, like, too. Well, Mississippi State's like one of those where you just have to, like, I think they belong on two of those slots. It's just you got to guess right, where you don't know which of the two weeks that Mississippi State's going to decide to upset and ruin A&M or Arkansas or whoever's season, because they're going to ruin two seasons, or maybe just one. But, like, there's going to be one. We're going to all kick ourselves. We're like, this should have been the 3 o'clock game because Mississippi State decided to uh, get in a slugfest with Alabama and just ups- Will Rogers just won in triple overtime and uh, took down the tide. Like, that's going to happen. We're going to get the game wrong of which one to put uh, Mississippi State on primetime. It's definitely possible. They seem to do their best work, you know, in that noon game. They're yeah. like, 
you maybe you were doing something until like two o'clock. You were watching other games. Right? Hey, you see Mississippi State right now? They mm-hmm. they're beating Auburn by three touchdowns. Yeah, uh, that sort of thing. But um, they were down by like four touchdowns against Auburn and had that amazing comeback last year. Do you remember that on the road uh, in Auburn? Oh, they, that's right. Yeah. So you yeah. never know. Mississippi State's like the biggest wild card, uh, but they're fun TV. Was like, that the game that um, Bo Nix made the crazy play? The like his his wild like where he ran all the way around the broke the tackle and like ran all the way to the other side. He also had the touchdown possibly. pass against LSU where he ran all the way. Over. I remember that. I remember the LSU one. I don't. There's remember. a couple wild uh, Bo Nix just uh, playmaker extraordinaire. Well, you might be seeing him week one. Yeah, he's uh We don't know though. That's still like an up One thing we do know is that you know, regardless of how much pressure George gets, he's not gonna get sacked. Bo Nix, <laughs> no no one gets away and throws the ball away better than uh than Bo Nix. It's his it's his gift. Mm-hmm. But um week twelve this is uh this is what we hate to see, the cupcake week. Yeah. It's just um, you know, I think a lot of teams are getting – I should have gone through the schedule and seen how many – I think there's only like five or six teams in the SEC that actually have the November cupcake this year. But, unfortunately, they're still on the schedule. So, Does Tennessee? The, I feel like we do. Um, Tennessee, do they have – no, they don't – they do not have – I mean, they have Vanderbilt the last Yeah. Week, but, no, they do not have – they have – oh, they have Tennessee Martin in uh, That's what I thought. October 22nd, though. Okay. So uh, it's kind of it's the same concept. Like play that play that game in early September. Let's get it out of the way. No, hold on. To be fair, planning a wedding this fall, Matt, and I've circled some dates that I'm okay with and some that I'm not for Tennessee's schedule. Mm. And an October 22nd UT Martin game is kind of clutch. I'm not gonna lie. It's been clutch and it has been used thus far in booking dates. Hey, also, if you if you would like me to be at your wedding, you know, October twenty second is also George's bye week. You know, so oh. that doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. You know, look not at that you I angling for an invite. Yeah, look um, at you. Um, but yeah, so week twelve, unfortunately, we still got some cupcakes on the schedule. Georgia at Kentucky seems like probably the best game on this slate. You also have mm. Ole Miss at Arkansas, um, Tennessee at South Carolina. Could potentially be interesting. And then Florida at Vanderbilt. The rest of them, we got, you know, Western Kentucky and, and Austin P and the New Mexico states of the bunch. Also, you know, Florida gets a lot of, uh, a lot of flack, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, for never going outside of the state of Florida, not, not playing anyone out of conference. I think in mm-hmm. the future schedules, you, you're going to see, you know, a little bit, because they are going home and home with Utah. I think they have a few other ones, maybe Colorado. I want to say there's someone in the ACC. Um, can't remember off the top of my head, hmm. but um, Missouri. No one talks about Missouri scheduling absolutely nobody <laughs> out of conference. Like every single year. Last year they scheduled Boston College. Coach Dude, they're throws trying to make a bowl shade. game. They're Drake trying to make a bowl game. Shade at Boston College, and they and they lose. Like. I they don't play anybody at a conference every year. Like they play Toledo and they play. I know. I hope we don't have to be Toledo listeners on the pod. They're like the first random team I bring up all the yeah. time. But New Mexico State is who they have. Like this year, um, just looking at their schedule, 
in 2022, if I can pull it up quickly. Uh, Louisiana Tech. They do have Kansas State at Kansas mm. State week two this year. Um, ACU. Who's that? Abilene Christian? Is that? I feel like they were good at ACU basketball. Is... They made it a tournament appearance. Sounds right. Is that the one where they got pulled? Um, the only reason I know Abilene Christian is is they were always the first. If you could create a player on Madden, they were the very um, first school. I think that was the alphabetically. School. They're just the very first school. I could be wrong, but I think they were the school that got pillaged by. Um, Western Kentucky staff with Bailey Zappi and company to recreate uh, that school in Western Kentucky mm. from this past year. I could be wrong. Could be, it's one of those small Texas, okay. Texas schools, and I can't remember which one it was. But, yeah, Louisiana Tech, Abilene Christian, New Mexico State, and this year they actually have Kansas State. There's many years they don't have another Power 5 school uh in Dude, they're trying to go bowling, games. man. They're trying but, to go bowling. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to – I, I'm going to bet money that they're going to lose at Kansas State week two. You don't just go into the little apple <laughs> and expect to walk away with a victory. So into the into the Bill Snyder family stadium, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's Bill Snyder Memorial, isn't it? Or no? I think family. I think the word it, family is It can't be memorial because he's still kicking, man. Shout out to <laughs> Bill Snyder. I don't think you can do God that. God rest yet. his soul. Um, him and Wade Boggs. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so I think that week, Ole Miss, Arkansas, like just <laughs> depending on what happens in the se- in the season, like that could be a really interesting game. I think by week twelve, we could be looking at some three or four lost teams, and might not be as interesting. But Georgia, Kentucky, that could be uh, like a twenty eighteen um, rematch uh, for for Kentucky when they really were that that game decided the SEC East. So. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to expect from Kentucky. Uh, they, they're definitely a dark horse for some people this year. I do not understand the Will Levis first-round pick hype. Like, no shade throwing at Will Levis. I just don't see it. Like, I, well, I don't know. He lost Liam Cohen. It's Rich Scangarello, uh, former QB coach in San Francisco. I don't know, man. I We'll see. I've heard this story before. Uh, Shout-out to Mr. Woodson and company. I don't know. When I see a Kentucky quarterback go first round again, um, I'll I'll be surprised, but we'll see. I don't know. People are really buying. Where'd Andre that. Woodson go? He was like third, third round or fourth, or something, yeah. right? Mm. I, I was big Andre Woodson fan. I would yeah. I would have taken him in the first round, but you know, I'm not an NFL GM, and I wouldn't be after I took Andre. Woodson <laughs> I was going to say that round. would not have worked <laughs> yeah. out well for you. Uh, but it, you know, big fan of but his back in the day, him and Stevie Johnson. Mm-hmm. He um, worked out. Yeah, for sure. Um, his hands just failed him. Um, week 13, uh, week 13, final week of the season were all the, uh, rivalry games. So a few games we got off the, off the, off the slate, off the mm. Saturday, 3.30 contention. So we got the Egg Bowl we got on, uh, on, uh, Thanksgiving Day. Mm. So love that. They don't have a time for that one yet, but I'm Tuesday assuming night. a night game. Yeah. Um, and then on that Friday, we got 3.30 Missouri and Arkansas, which I feel like this is becoming a solid tradition of this yeah. 3.30 on this Friday, um, this border war. I'm, yeah. I'm a way bigger fan of this rivalry now that they have this trophy. Arkansas yes. is winning me over with all their trophies. <laughs> um, well, it gives Missouri somebody because they lost Kansas and they lost all their tradition. Right? So at least Arkansas feels like a start of a new tradition that makes sense. They're like, guys, you know, I know you had your border war thing going on with somebody else, but you got a, you got a southern border too. 
Yeah, um, and they're like, yeah, well, the other border never wins football games, so yeah. like this is not going to be as fun. For sure. And then um, also on that Friday, we got Florida, Florida State, 730. So that's going to be a great doubleheader for that Friday after Thanksgiving. So mm. really the only option I think here is Auburn or Alabama, Auburn at Alabama or LSU at Texas A&M. I think those are – and I think just for tradition purposes, you probably put uh, the Iron Bowl at 330. Mm. I mean, just who knows. But it's like the only other options that really even could be – like Georgia Tech at Georgia, but that's not no. going to be a CBS game. No. That and game shouldn't Louis- even be televised anymore. Louisville at Kentucky is, isn't going to be a CBS. But like South Carolina Clemson, I think because it's at Clemson, I don't think they can. I don't even think they can put it on CBS. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I mean, they're not. Why are we pretending? They're putting the Iron Bowl on at three thirty on CBS. That, that's, that's, that's they're doing that. Do, yeah. The Iron Bowl is happening. But LSU A and M. I mean, that's that could be a very interesting game. Uh, in the third, it's not the, the Iron 13th. Bowl, Matt. Why are we overthinking the Iron Bowl? They're putting that That's at three thirty. Like Auburn could be zero and ten going zero and eleven. They're still putting on there. It's like Auburn. Could they upset Alabama and get their first one of the year? It's fair. The worse yeah. they are, the better they seem to play Alabama. Exactly. So you, you never. Know. That's probably not true. Actually, uh, we're, we're just relating it to that. last year. Because I think they basically beat them every time. I think Nick Saban. What's that stat? Nick Saban has never beaten a nine-win Auburn team. Hmm. So every literally every time they're good, they beat Alabama, and <laughs> that's funny. No other times, um, but yeah. So that's that's the schedule, and then the SC Championship four o'clock on December. Was that on the December first? Is that? I don't know. It's not important. I was gonna say I don't have to book those dates. You don't. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> December third, uh, it'll be the SEC mm-hmm. Championship, and um, maybe we'll see. Uh, Alabama Georgia SC Championship Part Three. Is that be the third Kirby versus Saban SC Championship? Mm. I think A and M Georgia would be more. They played twice in the SC Championship and twice in the National Championship, and then once in Tuscaloosa. The dream scenario from an impartial uh, observer would be Sam Pittman versus Kirby in an SEC title game. Mm. Real changing of the guard. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be real good. You would rather have that than uh, than the hype train. No, I'm saying impartial. I just gave you my impartial, where it's oh, like if okay. Tennessee's not involved, I think Kirby versus Pittman and Arkansas trying to get over the hump and back in the conference title game. I think it'd be a fun storyline. I think the best storyline has got to be Jimbo A and M versus Georgia. I think SC Championship. That would probably be because then That's it's like fair. these are the two that feel like. They're, they could actually take the SEC from Alabama, right? Like, Arkansas, yeah, you might have had your year, but you're not. You know, we all just discount Arkansas, right? Well, like, we it's know just, what the we, most fun game is. We know what the most fun. Like, if you're the SEC, the game you want is tennessee Old Miss. Like, Kiffin versus Heupel and Kiffin – like, that in the Dome, part two, absolutely. That's must-see television. Ole Miss is a – yeah, I have no idea what to expect from Ole Miss this year. Like, I feel mm. like they're going to be fun, but I feel like they're going to be fun maybe more like 2020 Ole Miss was fun. And instead of 2021 where they kind of – there's a little more substance to it. Like, the defense can make some plays. Like, 2020 it was just get torched and we'll put up a bunch of points and hopefully we can score more. Like, I, I don't know. They just – they have a feeling of a team that's going to be, like – struggling to, to get bowl eligible in november i mean we'll see they, they i added, don't know they I added just, so much talent in the portal man that's like, true 
I don't know. I I think it might be it might take some time for them to get acclimated and get all these guys on the same page, but they brought in so much talent. The SMU running back, they brought in Zach Evans, Jackson Somebody's Dart. Somebody's got to lose Robinson. these games. I, I know, but I still think it's Ole Miss. I still think it's probably <laughs> Miss State, and I think it's LSU, and I think it's Auburn. Yeah, Auburn's going to lose a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, with A&M, and I think Arkansas should be good yes. this year. Like, I don't know. I think it, Arkansas and Ole Miss are battling it out for Tier 2. Yeah, that could be true. I um, Yeah, and, and that one was an early one, I think. Um, right? That's – I don't know. I'd have to look at it again. Um, I don't know where I wrote that one down. But Ole Miss, Arkansas. Yeah, I'm curious to see how both those teams shake out. There you go. Uh, Matt, we'll end on this. The we're, Every week we're going to check out the betting odds for the conference champions. And last week we did the SEC. This week we're doing the Big Ten. Uh, no surprise to any that Ohio State is an overwhelming favorite to win this conference this year. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's uh, it's... It feels like this conference is always Ohio State and everybody else, but it it feels more like Ohio State and everybody else this year. Like they're minus two twenty five, minus two twenty five. The next closest is Michigan plus nine hundred, Wisconsin plus fourteen hundred. The one that caught my eye was Nebraska having better title odds than Penn State and Iowa and Michigan State. Michigan State's way down here at plus 3,000, which is pretty wild to me. Yeah, that Michigan State at plus 3,000 was definitely the one that caught my eye, and then I started thinking about it. It's like, well, it's kind of like we've talked about with the with the SEC East and SEC West. It's like Tennessee probably has a better chance than a lot of the people in the West just because they have a better shot of coming out of the East kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I – I get why Nebraska and Wisconsin and Iowa and Purdue all would have better chances than the Michigan State, but I'm confused how Nebraska is so close to the top of that list. Like people I, like Nebraska, man. They they were the best three and nine team in football last year. A bunch of close, true. a best, best three and nine team of all time. Yes, you bring in Casey Thompson in the portal. Met, you replace Adrian Martinez. You bring in Mark Whipple, the OC who uh, unlocked Kenny Pickett at Pitt this past year. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for optimism with the black shirts, and they're in the right division. That's part of Michigan State's problem is in their, they're in the wrong division. And Nebraska has a pretty – like, they have a good path where they end the season with Iowa. That's their new rival. And then they have Wisconsin. Like, they beat Wisconsin. They can go into that Iowa game, like – with the Big Ten conference game right there on the line. I I don't know. I could see it. Nebraska being that high up. I'm buying the Nebraska Kool-Aid. I am buying the Kool-Aid, Matt Green. That's fair. They do have at Michigan, at Iowa. There's at Purdue. I think Purdue is the one when I look at all mm. these teams. like Because, like you said, like it's so Ohio State versus the field. Yeah. But So if I'm going to pick anyone else, it's going to be from a team from the West. And Purdue, like, looking at their schedule, like, they get Penn State at home to open the season on a Thursday night. Mm. Like, that's the best team they play from the East. Like, they, who else is in the East? They have they, – Indiana, they have the final week of the season, and they, they go at Maryland. Like, those are the worst teams in the Big Ten East. They play basically nobody at a conference, like Syracuse, Florida Atlantic. Like, I don't know how good Purdue is going to be. 
But and then if you look at them, they're playing at Wisconsin. Like that's definitely the toughest game. But they get a lot of these tougher games at home. Mm-hmm. So including Nebraska, so uh, including Iowa. So I think Purdue is kind of if I'm taking a long shot on somebody, I kind of like I kind of like Purdue. Although it's surprising to see them at worse odds or at better odds than than Iowa, because Iowa you just kind of know what to expect at Iowa. Well, it depends on Spencer Petras, and I don't know the uncertainty there, and he's competing with Alex Padilla for that starter job. But they lose your guy Goodson, uh, North Gwinnett legend. Uh, but I I don't know. Iowa's offense was just so bad last year that we'll have to see if that offense figures it out. And I don't have they ever gone back to back conference title games in the Big Ten. Um, they have not. I was actually yeah. going to ask you some trivia about. Who has made the most conference title games in, in the Big the, Ten? Uh, in the Big Ten since its inception in 2011. Uh, so imagine starting like what order? Two teams are tied for six apiece. Oh, um, Ohio State, Wisconsin. That is correct. And mm-hmm. then um, one team's got three, and then two more teams have two. Northwestern, do they have three or two? They have two. Okay. Um, Iowa's got two. Right. Iowa's got two. Yeah, this yeah. past year, and then one of the one of the early ones, Michigan State. The, I think yeah, the year uh, Michigan State. Michigan State. State that's right. Because the yeah. Okay. Oh shoot! I blew that. What? Yeah. I, I said one of the answers. Yeah, Michigan State. But I had to think about. it. I was like, I know Penn State. It's just kind of weird that Penn State's just never been involved in any of this. Yeah, they have their one. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Iowa. Yeah, so Michigan State's the one that's been to three uh, Big Ten championships. And then Michigan, Nebraska, and Penn State have all been to one. And I guess all of those teams have won one except for uh, except for Iowa, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So it feels like Ohio State just dominates the conference, but there is there is a little more parity than we might give the Big Ten credit for. But lots of times it's, it feels like it's just Ohio State not taking care of business, right? Yeah. It's just they inexplicably just lose to someone they shouldn't lose to. Don't throw your money on this game or on this conference. Don't throw your money on anybody other than the Buckeyes. Like, you're just – you're throwing money away. I This is one of the more wrapped-up conferences to me. I would be absolutely floored if this Ohio State team did not win the Big Ten this year that it would absolutely if you have to me. put a hundred dollars of your own money on this who mm-hmm. uh who are you going ohio state see i'm a i'm a i'm a risk taker see i'm gonna oh, take no. i'm gonna take purdue for that what? big payout their best receiver got ruled <laughs> academically ineligible no i'm just joking i would yeah. definitely take ohio state but i you know you gotta look at those odds you i mean the payout the is payout. wisconsin like that's the payout like the safest one is like a wisconsin type deal Death, Texas, Wisconsin winning 10-plus games. That's probably true. But Wisconsin's not going to win the Big Ten. Yeah. Maybe Penn State if you're all in on year 19 of uh, Sean Clifford. That's probably the best value, honestly, Mm -hmm. plus 1,700. They have an actual chance, but they're – like we said, this is C.J. Stroud. This is – this is Ohio State's and I love what we just we've moved on from Michigan. That's a blip, but it's like if J.J. McCarthy's awesome, then like it definitely they did feels just like beat a Ohio blip. State. They did. It feels like a blip. It felt like the stars aligned for for that year. Like I mean, the offense wasn't very good. So like they lost both. There's room for improvement. 
like yeah there's room for improvement so it's not like like if you were just an incredible team the entire season and you still couldn't win the national championship then you know you know maybe that's it's not it's not meant to be but there is definitely room for improvement like that Michigan team wasn't just so good they could never recreate that I mm. do wonder about how talented they were defensively like you're not going to see many Michigan teams that are that talented defensively but mm. yeah we do definitely write Michigan off but um I don't know I think it's it's partly because it seemed fluky but it's partly just because Ohio State just seems that good now I want to pull something up hold on I'm going to pull this up with Michigan I was looking uh, hold on oh where'd it go uh, uh let's see i'm gonna find them hold on dead air where'd it go because it was kind of wild it caught me off guard like how low they were penn state was 90th in scoring offense this past year wow um michigan oh makes uh, sense they were 16th but what were they in where is it was it this where they were where it popped off the page to me oh yeah true or false Michigan had a worse passing offense than <laughs> than Troy, Duke, and Auburn last year. Mm. I'm gonna say true. It is true. Wow. I mean, he threw McNamara threw like 12 touchdowns. Like, I mean, that's that's why I start to I, say I see 21 like, touchdowns, nine picks for McNamara. I guess it's everybody involved. That, that's got to be the team, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking McNamara didn't throw a lot of picks. I was thinking I would, I would have said like a 12 to 2 kind of yeah, kind of a stat line for him. I'm looking at their quarterback rating. Their quarterback rating was 48th. Not an elite offense. They were not humming. The Western well, Kentucky that, numbers are hilarious. Okay. 15 to 6 is what he was. Uh, okay. Full so season, McCarthy had to be so. the other ones. I guess he did throw a couple picks in that uh, in that Orange Bowl game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that kind of hurt that stat line. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Western Kentucky, did you see this? 63 TDs and 12 picks for Bailey Zappi last year. Yeah, that he was absurd. Like, where did he end up going? The Pats. Tom Brady? Yeah. 2.0? Oh, you won't get this, though. There's no way you get this. All right. Okay. The top two teams in yards per attempt passing-wise. We'll end on this. Here's some trivia for you. The top two teams in yards per attempt through the air this past season was who? Um, Coastal Carolina. Very close. Coastal was three at 10.7 mm. yards per attempt. And I bet Georgia was up there too, right? Like fourth or fifth? They're sixth. Okay. Um I don't know. Who you got? Hold on. I got you. Hold on. Is it Hin- is it Tennessee? Uh, ah, Air Force. Okay. Air Force number two, but number one. Is it someone that attempted like 65 passes on the season? Close. The Army Black there Knights, number one. Shout out to our guy, Jeff Monken. 11.2 yards per attempt. They threw the ball 110 times. Completed 54% of their passes. Air Force completed 48% of their passes. 11 total TDs for Army. Eight through the air. There were eight passing touchdowns. And the Air Force <laughs> played more games than they threw touchdowns. Wow. That's uh, go big or go home, I guess. They're, Shout they're, out to our they're service. Going, they're man. hitting for big plays. 
Yeah, I, I love it. Go big or go home. The the armed forces. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Johnny Tsunami as well. We that, should always for that reference. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say Soul Skaters, but I was, that's a Brink reference. What was what was ah the, Brink? Now that's a classic right there. What was uh? What did they say? Uh, boyo. <laughs> he said yeah. Boyo to his grandson, but I thought they had um. Urchins. They did have some kind of little like surfer but a, thing. But they had I some, can't remember what they said. We're too old. I don't remember what. I remember was. Go Big or Go Home. That's yeah. that's the extent of my Johnny Tsunami. And I remember his uncle yes. was the guy that was like the bad guy from Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. And yes. I just couldn't unsee that. It's like that was that dude was scary as hell in Mortal <laughs> Kombat. And it's like this guy's just some chill surfer, bro. I can't I can't unsee you as I don't even remember what his name was. I, I remember Goro was the one that had the four arms. Yeah. But I he was like either. Goro's master. I don't even know what that guy's role was, but he was uh he was scary. Matt Green, your soul is mine. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. I saw the new one in theaters with uh, the fiance last year. I remember it was it was entertaining. Uh, Matt Green. Yeah. I, think I went to two different, two separate Halloweens as a kid. Once a scorpion, and another time a Sub Zero. So big Mortal Kombat guy. I was a big Power Rangers guy. I was like a lot of different Power Rangers. And then it did go as a Power Ranger one time as well. That was my jam. I was a diehard Power Ranger guy coming home from school and watching that every 3.30. And that and then Big Bad Beetleborgs back to back. It was the only way I could unwind. Beetleborgs. <laughs> it was oh, an icon. some iconic theme songs. Big Bad Beetleborgs. And it's morphin' time. Uh, I Green. forgot about Beetleborgs. That's a... Uh... Really, really, you got the obscure references for sure. It's just, it's not going anywhere, Matt Green. I just, I tell people, I'm like, my brain's full. Like, I just have so much useless crap floating around in here that, like, I never know when I'm going to use it. I never thought I'd bring up Big Bad Beetleborgs on this podcast. I, I did randomly see Street Sharks the other day. Mm. You know Street Sharks? Yeah. That was, that was an obscure. Um, they were cool. But also, this guy's name was Shang Tsung. Mm. in uh mortal Kombat, so i see his name written and i don't think that character is in the video game um hmm. so i think he was just a movie character i think that's why i don't remember him like hmm. like uh like kano or yeah or, or johnny cage or one of these guys interesting yeah i don't remember i never played those games really growing up um i wasn't oh. i was more right. like i just did crash bandicoot and i i played a lot of like computer games so like my time was like i spent a bunch of time on roller coaster tycoon Loved Roller Coaster mm. Tycoon. Built a lot of badass theme parks that I'll never see again. All that work uh, in the lab cooking up some dope theme parks. Just <laughs> gone forever. Every and, time you make a good one, it gets too extreme for the people, though. That's yeah. what, that's what always uh, frustrated me about it. It was so addicting, though. Building the perfect theme park and all that. Um, and then... Mortal uh, Kombat was the Sega Genesis era, I feel like. Mm. And after that, then after PlayStation, like the Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, I had that Spyro. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I just started playing sports games after that. So. True. And then I, Backyard Baseball, though. That was the other one. I played a lot of Backyard Baseball. Pablo Sanchez is a legend. <laughs> we stand Pablo Sanchez. Clutchest hitter in baseball history, my guy. I hope he's up to good things these days because he's all grown up now. That man was eight years old in 1995. 
Um, Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right, that'll do it for part three and the conclusion of the Thursday, May 26, 2022 edition here on the Chase Ones Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, Matt and I's conversation on all things college football. To wrap up here on the Chase Ones Podcast, if you enjoyed our show and you've not already done so, make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast player. But if you're already subscribed and you're an Apple podcast or Spotify listener, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review. Uh, it helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow. Uh, tweet at me at Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer and email the very program at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, new episode coming tomorrow. I think we'll have a, a two-parter uh, on tomorrow's show. But yeah, a lot more content coming your way this week. Look out for that on the Chase Thomas Podcast here at the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you as always. You guys have yourself a great rest of your Thursday afternoon. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.